Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, happy Memorial Day to each and every one of our listeners, everyone in general, but especially everyone that has served, is serving, or has given up the ultimate sacrifice through our military services to give us the freedoms that we have today. It's a great day to honor those who have either made the ultimate sacrifice or who do so much for all of us. So thank you to each and every one of our military members, as well as to everyone, just to just to date, take time to enjoy and cherish the time that you have with your loved ones. It's been a while since we've been able to do it with confidence and you know happiness with all that's been going on around the world. So I hope you truly do cherish this time that you have with the ones that you love today. And of course, it's a great day as well because it's another Grizzlies game day. Game four tonight in the FedEx Forum. Yours truly will be there tonight in the Grindhouse. Hope many others will be to make it just as enthusiastic, exciting, and as much of a home court advantage as possible as we did in Game 3. But speaking of Game 3, it's the focus of our show today. So we know that the Grizzlies have come up with the winning recipe for the majority of the game, but it's getting off to a better start and having a more successful ending when it comes to this Grizzlies team, and that's the focus of today's show. In the first segment, we're really going to look at the end of the game from Game 3 and discuss a way in which the Grizzlies may be able to find success in that game as the, as the Jazz are starting to become more or they're, they're starting to get better at stopping the main reason why we're finding success in the second half of games. In the second segment, we're going to look at how the defense and three-point shooting can be better to open the game, and why that's so important for this Grizzlies team to get in rhythm. And based off those two things in the third segment, we'll specify a few other things to look forward to in Game 4 to give the Grizzlies the advantage they need to get this win. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC on Twitter. My name is Sean Coleman. I'm a credential media member, have been writing about the Grizzlies over at Grizzly Bear Blues for three years, have been with the Locked on Podcast Network for Locked on Grizzlies for over a year. If you want the one place that gives you the latest Grizzlies news, insights, perspectives, and honest truth, you've come to the right place. Your Grizzlies every day here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. And of course, we also remind you of our title sponsor, the Locker Room app, changing the way we talk about sports. Head to your either Android now or iOS app, download the free app, create a free profile, go into the chat rooms, and that's where you can chat and enjoy about sports every Thursday at 8. We have our Let's Talk Grizzlies show via the Locked On Grizzlies podcast on the Locker Room app. Make sure to join us. So obviously, as we mentioned in yesterday's show, the one key thing is, is that there were plenty of encouraging aspects from Game 3 that the Grizzlies could, you know, work with. They had plenty to work with. It was a mixture of Game 1 and Game 2. But from the second quarter through basically the middle of the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies were the better team, and they were playing like it. A lot of it was because of their ability to rebound and get extra shot attempts. But in the first quarter and to end the game, the Jazz outscored the Grizzlies by 24 points in that total of 18 minutes in game time. And that's really where the Grizzlies have got to make adjustments in order to be able to not only hopefully gain a lead, but also secure a lead similar to what they did in game one. So in the fourth quarter, though, that's where we're going to start because to me, that's the biggest area where the Grizzlies have got to make a change because they've been successful, right? They've had success, especially in you know the first and second game where it's really been the charge led by John Morant and Dylan Brooks. But the thing about it is this. There's no denying that John Morant and Dylan Brooks have been extremely successful 
so far in these playoffs. We talked about how their success as a duo is standing out to make them one of the more prolific playoff duos in this year's NBA playoffs. And that's saying a lot, that's saying quite a bit if you are able to use their numbers and compare them favorably to several of the other combination of players that are in this year's playoffs. But the thing about it is this, is so far in these playoffs, John Morant and Dylan Brooks have taken 47% of the Grizzlies' field goal attempts as a whole. That means that of the 286 field goal attempts the Grizzlies have taken through the first three games of this series, John Morant and Dylan Brooks have taken 135 of them, just under half of those field goal attempts. They also have scored 51.7% of the Grizzlies' points so far in these three games. The Grizzlies have scored a total of 352 points. 182 of them have come via Ja Barrett and Dylan Brooks. So without a doubt, Ja and Dylan have been quite successful. We talked about how we needed a duo of scorers to step up, and that's exactly what Ja and Dylan have done. The only issue is, is that as they continue to step up, and you want them to continue to have success, the issue is, is that the Jazz's defense is arguably what the, the best in the NBA. I think you can confidently say it's a top five defense in the NBA. Well, if the Grizzlies are continuing to find success from one of two players, you can bet the Jazz are going to shift their defensive focus and philosophies to stopping John Dillon. The Jazz are going to make their adjustments, which we know they can effectively make because they've been doing it all year. They're going to make the adjustments to make it where it's another player who's going to have to step up and beat the Grizzlies besides Jaw and Dylan. And you saw that start to take place on Monday night. Coming in too, so through three games so far, we talked about how Dylan and Jaw have taken 47% of the Grizzlies' total field goal attempts. They've scored 52% of the Grizzlies' total points overall so far this playoffs. But in the fourth quarter, they've actually taken 53% of the Grizzlies' total field goal attempts, and they have scored 55% of the Grizzlies' points in the fourth quarter so far through these three games. So again, Jaw and Dillon have been very reliable. In game one, Jaw was 5 of 9 from the field for 10 points. That was needed in order to lead the Grizzlies to the win. He was the best quarter, he was the best player in that fourth quarter. In game two, when Jaw had his 47-point performance and Dylan backed it up with an 11-for-14 shooting performance, between Jaw and Dylan, 5 of 9 from the field, excuse me, between Jaw and actually Jonas in that game, it was 5 of 9 from the field for Jaw and Jonas, and then 12 free-throw attempts from Jaw. That's what allowed for the Grizzlies to have a chance to try to come back in game two, though it was not successful. But last night, here's where you're starting to see that the Grizzlies ran into a bit of an issue when it came to their philosophy of trying to make things work in those last few minutes. John Dillon were 6 of 14 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3 with 6 free throws. There was a significant drop in field goal attempt success as well as their ability to shoot from 3 in the free throw line between games 1 and game 2 and game, and game 3. Ja was 3 of 8 from the field. Dylan was 3 of 6, and they had they had one combined 3 between them and 6 free throws. And that especially was true in the last 4.5 minutes. Over the last 9 shots that the Grizzlies took and that they missed, Ja and Dylan took 7 of those shots, if my numbers are correct. 
So with the group, so with the Jazz needed to bear down, with they needed to make stops, they put their defensive focus on Jaw and Dylan, and you saw it. Though Jaw had some okay looks from floaters, each one of them were contested. Dylan shots from the, uh, up at the top of the key where he missed the three, from the quarter where he missed the three, they were heavily defended as well. The Jazz knew exactly where the Grizzlies were going to go, and the Grizzlies went there, and the Jazz challenged them. The Jazz basically said, if you're going to go to Jar Dillon, go ahead, but we're not going to allow for you to get a clean look. They're going to have to make very tough shots. And the Grizzlies were not able to make any of them besides. They, the only way they were able to get two points at the end of the game was through a, uh, I believe it was through two Javarette free throws uh, over the past four, over the last four minutes and 30 seconds of the game. So it's great that Jaw and Dillon have done an exceptional job as a duo scoring and making this series competitive so far for the Grizzlies. But through three games and 12 quarters, we're now to the point to where the Jazz have basically shown we're not going to let John Dillon have the opportunity to beat us down the stretch. They are going to be heavily defended, and we're going to do everything that we can stop both of them. It's time for someone else to step up. And that's exactly what they showed. That's exactly what they were successful in showing in Game 3 over the final four and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. So it's going to take another option for this Grizzlies team to step up. The next obvious option would be Jonas. But I actually think that the better option would be a combination of players. For instance, in Game 3, Grayson Allen obviously had the hot hand. He made a big three towards the, about, I believe, the five, the five and a half, five minute mark in Game 3. But it was taken away because of a questionable offensive foul call on DeAnthony Melton. But that's where game. But in Game Four, that is a big thing that's going to have to occur for this Grizzlies team. Someone else is going to have to step up and deliver in the fourth quarter, besides Jaw and Dylan, because this Jazz defense is completely focused on ta- not necessarily taking both of them away, but making it to where they are going to have to make low percentage shots in order for this Grizzlies team to win. The Grizzlies counter is to put their confidence in someone, maybe someone who has a hot head like Grayson had in game three. They're going to have to, the Grizzlies are going to have to put their confidence in someone else. And through that, Taylor Jenkins and his staff are going to have to draw up plays where they're instilling that confidence in someone else for them to be able to make the big shots to win game four and other games beyond that. That's going to have to be a big change to the Game 4 strategy. Instead of like Grayson Allen said, you basically just give it to Jar Dillon and, and expect for them to make plays. They made plays all series long, and they're going to continue to make plays. But at the end of the day, the Jazz are going to make them make the toughest plays that they possibly can make Jar Dillon make. The Grizzlies have to counter that to find higher percentage shots through someone else, and that's up to Taylor Jenkins and his staff, not only to identify that person, but to give them schemes and strategies that will allow for them to get open to make those shots with confidence. But of course, if that's how the Grizzlies are going to have a better way of finishing the game, they first need to make sure that they're in that position by starting the game will. And that begins with the first quarter. Coming up, we're going to discuss how the Grizzlies need to shift their focus when it comes to their defensive strategies, but also need to try their best to get some rhythm going from three tonight in game four's first quarter. Imagine you are the hiring manager for your company. And what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier. You need Indeed. 
Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. And Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hire, hiring time by 27%. You can choose from one of the over 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 job credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Obviously, the spring is here. That means summer is right around the corner and even fall right after that. It means you're going to be outside more, on the go, out and about more now with there being a lot more available than there was last year. So you obviously want to be as healthy as possible to enjoy it. Well, getting healthy doesn't mean that you have to run a marathon every other week or you have to bike 50 miles. It means just small yet significant commitments you can make on a daily basis and that starts with your snacks and one of the best snacks you could have is a protein bar and the best tasting protein bar right out there right now is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Great taste with all the health benefits that you need. You can have it in the morning for breakfast, have it in the afternoon as a snack or before or after a workout. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and you put in the promo code Locked On, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. That's actually 15% off your next order from Built Bar by putting in the promo code Not Locked On Locked 15. Putting in the promo code Locked 15, you'll get 15% off your next next order of Built Bars. Once you make Built Bar a part of your day, it's there to stay. Go to BuiltBar.com. Put in the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order from Bill Bar. So in the first segment, we focused on the fourth quarter from Game 3 and how the Grizzlies really need to start evening out their shot distribution. They've got to get someone else involved late in the games as they're trying to either close out a victory or make a comeback because the Jazz have not only shown that they are putting their focus solely on making looks as hard as possible to get for Jaw and Dylan. But as they showed late in Game 3 on Saturday night, they were highly effective at doing it. That's what allowed the Jazz to win the game besides their offense, is that they put it out to the Grizzlies. We know that right now you can only go to Jaw or Dylan. We're going to put our defense solely on them and make their looks as tough as possible, and we're going to make you go to someone else to beat us. Beat us. Well, in Game 3, the Grizzlies could not do that. In Game 4, they're going to have to figure out who to go to to either secure a victory or come back and get a victory other than John Dillon because that's what the Utah defense is going to allow for that to happen. This Utah defense is not going to allow for John or Dillon to beat them unless they just make absolutely tough and low percentage shots. For the Grizzlies to get better looks at the basket, they're going to have to go to someone else. But obviously to be in that position to begin with late in the game, the Grizzlies are going to have to find a better start to be able to have more and more success throughout the game. And that starts with two things. The Grizzlies' ability to defend the pick and roll as well as their ability to shoot the three better. Now, if you look at the if you look between game 
four, or, or excuse me, the fourth quarter of game two, in which I believe the Jazz outscored the Grizzlies, I want to say by eight points in, in, in the fourth quarter of game two. And then you look at the fact that the Jazz outscored the Grizzlies by 12 in the first quarter of game three. The big reason why the Jazz were able to outscore the Grizzlies by 18, 20 some odd points between the fourth quarter of game two and the first quarter of game three is because the Jazz were able to find success via different avenues based off their pick-and-roll offense. And the thing about it is is that when it comes to the pick-and-roll offense, it's actually the Jazz and Grizzlies themselves that are running the pick-and-roll offense more than anybody else. 30% of the Jazz's possessions per game occur through the pick-and-roll opportunity with the ball handler. For the Grizzlies, it's 28%. So these are the two teams that run the pick-and-roll offense more frequently than anybody else. The problem for the Grizzlies is that not only do the Jazz lead all playoff teams in the frequency in which they're running the pick-and-roll offense, they also are the most effective. They lead all playoff teams averaging 1.13 points per possession when they run the pick-and-roll in an offensive possession. The Grizzlies, despite the fact they run it nearly as much as the Jazz, are only averaging .91 points per possession. That leads to a nearly 8.5 point difference, positive difference for the Jazz. They average 37.3 points per game through the pick-and-roll offense. The Grizzlies average a 29.8 points per game through the pick-and-roll offense. Excuse me, 7.5 difference per game. But the fact that the Jazz are being much more effective running the pick-and-roll offense, yet both teams rely on that offense so heavily, that's a big difference in the series. And they were able to find multiple ways in which they could do it, right? In the fourth quarter of Game 2, a big reason why they were able to be so successful was Conley finding Gobert on pick-and-roll opportunities or down low off the pick-and-roll, and the Grizzlies could not stop it. Well, in the first quarter of Game 3, the Grizzlies paid more attention to Rudy Gobert to try to prevent him from scoring, but that left open the perimeter, and the Jazz were 7-15 of 15 from 3 in the, first qu- in the first quarter of Game 3. And you had a player like Royce O'Neal who made four or five threes in the first half of Game 3 to support the efforts of Conley, Mitchell, and Gobert. If you have someone else besides Conley, Mitchell, and Gobert stepping up and making five or six threes in the game, it's going to be very hard for this Grizzlies team to win. Extremely hard for them to win. So the Jazz are finding success not only implementing the pick and roll as a successful strategy against Memphis, but they're able to adjust and counter and find multiple avenues based off the pick and roll to play winning basketball. The way the Grizzlies have countered that are both on and off the court. Monday night after the game, Dylan Brooks talked about the fact that every time that Rudy Gobert screens the def- the, the following defender. It's a moving screen. John Morant confirmed that yesterday in the press conferences. It's a bit of gamesmanship. It's a strategy, whatever you want to call it. But the Grizzlies are bringing attention to the fact that the reason why the Jazz are so effective at the pick and roll is because of how good Rudy is at screening. But there is some potential illegal activity going on in his screening. Now, if you want to call that complaints, if you want to call that, you know, whatever you want to call that, if you have a negative reaction to what John Dillon are saying, that's fine. But that doesn't mean it's not true. 
and it typically means that those type of comments, they're going to lead to a bit more attention being brought to it. Gobert was already called for a moving screen earlier this series. I believe it was in Game 3. So it's in the referees' minds. It's in their understanding to at least look at it more closely because that's what's setting the difference in these two pick-and-roll offensive. Rudy's Gobert's screens, they're absolutely swallowing up the Grizzlies' defenders, especially for a defender that is not Dylan Brooks. So yes, the Grizzlies are going to have to become more effective at defending it. They're going to have to figure out a way to make sure that Rudy Gobert is covered with Valanchunas and that their other three defenders, despite the two who are focusing directly on the pick and roll, their other three defenders are marking their man on the perimeter. But by being able to draw attention to that screen that potentially is a moving screen, if the Grizzlies can get a couple of, even just one early call, or maybe even two early calls on Gobert, that could easily make the pick and roll less effective for the Jazz, and that helps the Grizzlies stop it, obviously. Or at the very least, if there's an extra call or two on the Jazz, that gives the Grizzlies one or two extra opportunities to look at the pick and roll offense for the Jazz and make adjustments that can help them get a few clean stops. You're not going to stop the Jazz's pick and roll offense every time. There's not a, I do not believe the Grizzlies have the personnel to completely shut down the Jazz's pick and roll offense. Number one, nobody's been able to do it all year. Number two, no offense to against the Grizzlies, they're not on the same talent level defensively as the Jazz. So any and everything that they can use to their advantage to slow down that pick and roll approach from the Jazz is going to be for the good, and that's why you saw John Dillon make their comments in the press conferences and why I think you're going to see some adjustments to really make sure that while Valanciunas covers Rudy Gobert as the role man in those pick-and-roll offenses, the the uh, Grizzlies' defense also either use rotations or make sure they're finding different ways to fight through the screens, but to make sure that the other three defenders not directly involved in the pick-and-roll defense are sticking on their man so the Jazz don't get as many open looks from three. Because that's the other big key to starting off this game early for this Grizzlies team. The difference in three-point attempts so far through the first quarter in these three games. The Jazz are 16 of 35 from three in the first quarter of these games. The Grizzlies are four for 21. And the thing about it is, is that because the Jazz are such a much better team shooting the three than the Grizzlies, it's much more important for the Grizzlies to get into an offensive rhythm shooting the three than it is the Jazz. Another big key difference in these games so far overall, the Jazz are averaging nearly seven more, or excuse me, nearly six more pull-up three-point makes per game than the Grizzlies. The Jazz are averaging around seven, a little over seven, pull-up three-pointers made per game on nearly 21 attempts, shooting 38% from the field. The Grizzlies are averaging one pull-up three attempt per game while averaging seven attempts from the field. That's a huge difference. That shows the difference in ability for the Jazz to find their three-point shot versus the Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies are obviously having to rely on catch-and-shoot opportunities more than the Jazz are. But the problem is is that the Jazz are also a much better defense, so they're making those looks much harder to find for the Grizzlies, especially early in the game. So one of the ways for the Grizzlies to counter that could be looking at putting in Grayson Allen in the first quarter. Because as we know, the the Grizzlies, when they're 
first quarter offense was rolling earlier this year, it was with the starting lineup of Jaw, Grayson, Dillon, Kyle Anderson, and Jonas Valanciunas. And the Grizzlies are making an early substitution with Desmond Bain by putting him in for Kyle Anderson so they could stagger Kyle Anderson's minutes to allow for Anderson to play with the reserves, but to get a three-point shooter on the court with Jared to go along with Jaw, Dylan, and Jonas. Well, in this situation, I truly do feel that instead of Bain replacing Anderson, you put Grayson in instead of Bain. And that leaves you with the Jaw, Grayson, Dylan, Jaron, Jonas defensive lineup. You still have the shooting there with Grayson now because he has the hot hand with Grayson being your three-point threat instead of Bain and, of course, Jaron being there as well. But when it comes to this Grizzlies team, I feel like the reason why you do that is because you've got to go with the hot hand in the first quarter. You've got to go with the player who is shooting the best for you from three. Because if you don't, if the Grizzlies go through another game in which they struggle from three and they can't get into a rhythm, that's going to make it even more difficult for them to be able to likely have to dig out of a hole if the Jazz have success shooting the three in the first quarter. And they're going to have to once again out-rebound the Jazz. They're going to have to do many of the things it's very tough to do against this Jazz team. So one of the things that I think makes sense as far as the Grizzlies getting onto the right track and improving their ability to shoot the three themselves when it comes to the first quarter is perhaps making Grayson Allen the first substitution off the bench and getting him some first quarter looks from three instead of Desmond Bain. Because overall, in this playoffs, Dylan Brooks is 5 of 14 from three for 35.7%. John Moran is 4 of 15 for 26%. Jaron Jackson is 3 of 12 for 25%. Kyle Anderson is 3 of 9 for 33%. DeAnthony Melton is 2 of 10 for 20%. None of those players, despite the fact that they have 9 or more attempts, they're averaging 3 or more attempts per game in these playoffs, none of those players are shooting above 40%. But the two players that are, are Grayson Allen, who is 6 of 12 for 50% of 3, and Desmond Bain, who is 4 of 6 from 3. If the opportunity is not there from Bain to get his threes early in the game, put in Grayson Allen. He's shooting the best of any three-point shooter that you've seen or that, that you're putting out there right now in the playoffs for the Grizzlies. You know the success that he can have in the starting lineup in the first quarter because that's when this starting lineup for the Grizzlies was running its best in terms of first quarter production earlier this year. And the biggest thing about putting Grayson Allen in there in the first quarter is that among him... Melton, and Bain. Grayson Allen, in my opinion, has the best IQ when it comes to finding the soft spot in the defense, which you're going to need to do. You're going to have to be smart at finding your soft spot to be able to get an open look against the Jazz's defense, but also he is likely the best when it comes to the transition three. Grace, an underrated part of Grayson's game is he's very smart about when choosing to pull up in transition opportunities and shoot the three. He's done it on multiple occasions so far this series and did it against the Warriors last Friday night. He made huge transition threes that were big boosts for this Grizzlies offense. So when it comes to shooting the three, whether it be Bain or Grayson Allen, the Grizzlies are going to have to run more plays to get them open looks from three. And I personally would go with Grayson Allen as the first guy off the bench because number one, he's been your best three-point shooter so far this playoffs. And number two, I feel he's the most intelligent 
three-point shooter that you have, and that's what you're going to need to make those early threes to get into a rhythm. Because the Grizzlies did make 13 threes in game three. They're going to have to continue to make that and hopefully have a few games where they make, you know, 13 or more threes while shooting 40 or more percent from three in order to win a game or more in this series. The best way to do that is to get into a rhythm early, and in my opinion, that's featuring Grayson, but whether it's Grayson or Bain, continuing to find more looks for them in the first quarter so this Grizzlies team can get into a rhythm. So the pick-and-roll defense is something that the Grizzlies are going to have to improve in the first quarter. Their ability to find success from three in the first quarter is also going to have to succeed, and their ability to find someone else to support John Dillon in the fourth quarter are three things that really need to change for game four. But beyond that, what else do the Grizzlies need to focus on to really allow for them to be able to get this game for victory? Coming up, we'll look into that a bit more and see how the Grizzlies can expand what made them successful over the previous three games. Today on the Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and 2.6 and carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So we know that the NBA playoffs are nearly through their first round. The NHL playoffs have already started their second round. The MLB season is already two full months into its campaign. And there are so many other reasons to cheer for sports. And if part of the reason you cheer is wagering and betting on sports, I have the one place that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device and use the promo code LOCKEDON to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, is Nikola Jokic enough for the Nuggets? Get more of the sports news you need and less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the Grizzlies, obviously, it begins with, okay, so we've established that basically the Grizzlies have been successful for two quarters of each game, and they've also struggled for two quarters of each game, especially game two and game three. We know that it's been the middle two quarters where the Grizzlies have found a lot of success over the past few games in terms of games two and game three. They've struggled to begin the game in the first quarter and end the game in the fourth quarter. Obviously, getting Jaw and Dylan support in the fourth quarter, defending the pick-and-roll opportunity for the Jazz in the first quarter, and finding success from three in the first quarter are three areas where the Grizzlies really do need to find improved success to win game four. But another big key area is limiting Rudy Gobert in this game four. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of the things that we've mentioned that number one, allow for the Grizzlies to find success, but also prevent the Grizzlies from having success, really centers on Gobert. And one of the way that I mean that is, is that he has played 36 minutes in each of the past two games. He only played 25 minutes in game one, and that is the game that the Grizzlies won. 
And the reason why, of course, is because if you can limit Gobert's time on the court, that means that the pick and roll offense for the Jazz is not as effective, so their offensive general is easily is easier for this Grizzlies team to defend. And on the on the Grizzlies offensive end, it obviously is better because he's no longer there as a way to deter shots. But an even bigger reason is it allows for the Grizzlies to be able to get the offensive rebounding edge. In game one, the Grizzlies had the offensive rebounding edge because Gobert was not in the game as much as he was in Game 2 and Game 3. They had the offensive rebounding edge in Game 1, they won the game. They had the offensive rebounding edge in Game 3, and they came back and actually took the lead in the fourth quarter. If through their comments in the press conferences over the past two games, can get an early call on Gobert for a moving screen on a pick-and-roll opportunity, or the Grizzlies can find opportunities to get the ball down low to Valanciunas and allow for him to go up against Gobert, and Gobert could get two early fouls as he did early in or as he did in Game One. This Grizzlies team stat really helps them out because if you have Gobert either less aggressive or out of the game, that means the Grizzlies have the ability to get into the paint more, have more confidence getting up to the rim to either get good shots at the rim or get to the foul line. And that opens up the ability for them to shoot the three better because they're going to have to be more reliant on catch-and-shoot threes. And for the Grizzlies, that means getting into the paint, finding success, and then passing out four of those three-point opportunities. So a big thing for this Grizzlies team in Game 4 is going to be going after Gobert. They already have with their comments in the press conferences on Monday night and Tuesday, now their game plan needs to be to go towards Gobert either through Valanciunas or perhaps getting into the lane. Good passes down low. If the floater's not there, a bounce pass down to perhaps Jaron or Jonas. Get Jaron to attack more. In game three, Jaron's nine rebounds were a huge boost for this Grizzlies team. They had seven more rebounds overall nine more offensive rebounds overall. And it was in that early third quarter when Jonas and Kyle and others were getting those offensive rebounds that really gave the Grizzlies the extra possessions they needed to win the game. So it's not just about making sure that Gobert is limited or is off the court potentially more by getting into foul trouble. It's taking advantage of it. And that is crashing the boards. Now, I know specifically that I had mentioned that the Grizzlies need to stay disciplined on the perimeter for the Jazz, especially in that first quarter, to limit the Jazz's looks from three. But if you're limiting Gobert by putting him in early foul trouble or perhaps having him sit on the bench, that plays into the Grizzlies' favor because now you can have Jonas out on the court, and this, of course, means Jonas needs to stay out of the foul trouble, but if the Grizzlies can maximize the minutes in which Jonas is on the court when Gobert is not, that means that the rebounding edge heavily favors the Grizzlies. Not only in terms of getting defensive rebounds, but also getting second-chance opportunities for the Grizzlies to increase their advantage on the shot attempts, and that's obviously what they're going to need to do. They're going to have to have a big advantage when it comes to more shot attempts in the Jazz, and they could do that through Jonas and Jaron and Kyle rebounding, especially when Gobert is out of the game. So focusing on Gobert, putting him into early foul trouble, whether it be coming through maybe getting a call on a moving screen or really seeing if they can attack him with Jonas and find counter moves where if Jonas can have the opportunity to be on Gobert, perhaps taking advantage of Jonas's abilities to pass the ball. That really could be a big advantage for the Grizzlies as well, either out for an open three to one of his perimeter teammates or maybe on a cutting teammate to get a good look at the basket. 
Because in game one, in which the Grizzlies won, Jonas Valanciunas had three assists. That may not seem like much, but if Jonas is effectively passing the ball out of the paint, because of the fact, if, if he's getting looks in the paint and scoring points and perhaps causing Gobert to get one or two extra fouls in that first quarter, and then they have to take Gobert out, and you're still feeding Jonas in the paint, now he can pass out for open three-point looks. So I know it may not make much sense to kind of go after Gobert, who likely tonight is going to win his third Defensive Player of the Year award, but there is some effectiveness if you have the ability to use a player of Jonas's size to find success. So focusing on Gobert, getting him to foul early in the game, and hopefully have to sit, that's one big goal for this Grizzlies team. The second is featuring Jonas to the point that, yes, you have the ability to have him cause Gobert to commit fouls, but also potentially use Jonas as the ability to pass out. Because, number one, the Jazz are not going to be expecting it that much, and number two, it will allow for the Grizzlies to once again have a way to either attack the rim, to make it confusing on Gobert, that could cause him to get in even more foul trouble, or you could potentially allow for ball movement to find an open three-point shot. So having an active Jonas Valanciunas against Gobert early on, not just in scoring, but in rebounding and passing, is a big key. But rebounding is also huge for this Grizzlies team. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. said as much in the press conference on Monday night. He said our rebounding is a huge focus because it gets Gobert out of the paint. It allows for the Grizzlies to be able to get those second-chance looks on offense and limit the second-chance looks of the Jazz on offense, especially in the second half because if the Grizzlies can get out on the run in the second half based off getting those defensive rebounds, just think about it. In the second half of games, if the Grizzlies, if the Jazz, if the Grizzlies are at least somewhat defending the three-wheel, long rebounds come out to them. That means they get defensive rebounds on the run. That plays to the Grizzlies' advantage. If that tires down the Jazz, that allows for the Grizzlies to be able to get offensive rebounds. That plays to the Grizzlies' advantage. So it's everything kind of tying into one another to allow for this Grizzlies team, if they're doing one thing well, it can make it easier for them to do the other things that they do extremely well. They're going to do it more frequently. So getting Gobert in foul trouble through featuring Jonas, making Jonas active, not just through scoring, but rebounding and passing. Rebounding overall throughout the game to limit possessions for the Jazz and create extra possessions for the Grizzlies. And really focusing on just simply staying aggressive. That's the thing about it, is that, yes, the G Grizzlies have not had a lot of offensive success outside of Jaw and Dylan this series. But the last thing that the Grizzlies can afford is for their players or for the coaching staff to not have trust in the rest of the roster, because that's what the Jazz want. The Jazz want to use Jaw and Dylan's success, but they want to use it as a way to make it to where the Grizzlies now feel they can only rely on those two to be able to be the only source of offense for this Grizzlies team, because it because it falls right into the Jazz's hands. But if the Grizzlies continue to show that they can shoot. And through the adjustments that they have made through seeing the first three games, they can find more high percentage chances to shoot, and they do it early. That creates confidence, it creates rhythm, and that's what will generate and create that other one or two sources that can help Ja and Dylan late in the games. So adjustments need to be made. 
In my opinion, it may even require you to use some people earlier in games than you usually do, and it may require more people to be more active than you usually would like for them to be active. But if the Grizzlies can limit Gobert's effectiveness at the at the best by him being off the court, but at the very least him playing with foul trouble, that can allow for more things that could lead that could allow one thing to lead to another. And the more things that the Grizzlies are able to do well early in the game, the confidence and rhythm that it builds in them being able to do those things throughout the game, that's how you play that complete 48 minutes of basketball. And if the Grizzlies can play like they did in the second, third, and first half of the fourth quarter in game three, but they could do it for maybe 40 to 42 minutes tonight instead of just 30 to 32 minutes, that's what will win them the game. It's going to take a lot. That's the reason why there's a big talent difference between the Jazz and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are going to have to play at nearly their best. At near, They're going to have to play nearly a perfect game throughout the rest of the series in order to win the series against the Jazz. They're certainly capable of doing it. Now it's just figuring out how to do it for as many of the 48 minutes of game time as they can as possible. Thanks so much for joining us for this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Again, you can find me at StatsSAC, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Go Grizzlies Game 4 tonight. We will be back with you tomorrow with the post-game reaction to Game 4, hopefully talking about how the Grizzlies were able to reward their fans with their first playoff victory in over four years and, as a result, able to tie the series as we go into the final three games of what has been a much more competitive series than many may have thought. Until then, hope you have a great day. Go Grizzlies. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. And we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.